Um, I want to start with a prayer, and tonight's prayer I want us to focus on, well, we'll just see what comes up. Okay. Source to whoever your higher power is, whatever you believe in that's bigger than you. Um, please help us leave our judgments outside the door so that we may be open to hearing and taking in any new information, even though it may be counterintuitive to the ego, confront a lot of our fears. Um, and most especially, keep us open because in being closed, we're constricted and we shut down and we armor our hearts. And in that lack of openness, we lose out on so much. So a prayer to openness. Oh. Okay, and let's do um, a silent meditation tonight. I don't think there's anybody new here, so I don't think I need to go into the, some of the ways that we do that. Um, unless anybody's got any questions? No? Um, and um, I can... Well, yeah, it is. Because partly what I want you to do is that I also want you to learn like things part of what meditation is supposed to be is that you should be able to even meditate on a subway with noise and people and smells and sights, you know, that the environment doesn't have to be perfect. So, and in fact, I want to tell this little story. This is thank you for asking that because it reminded me of this. And I thought about this several times this week and I would have forgotten. Um, one of the Russian cosmonauts had been shot up into space and he was going to be up there for like, I think, three months or four months. And within a few days of being up there, so he's just started this, right? Something happens to some of the machinery or some electronic thing and there's this tick, 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 tick. I mean, it's just constant. And no matter what he does, no matter how he tries to track it down, he cannot find it and he cannot stop it. He can't even turn the volume down. <laughs> and by about day three of this sound happening, he realized that he was going a little nuts in his reaction to it. <laughs> and he finally, he out of that, realized that he was grateful for the sound because the sound taught him something really, really valuable. And that was, I need to fall in love with this sound or I'll be stark raving mad when they pull me out of here four months from now. <laughs> because it would be all about the ego, not being okay with it. And so he started literally turning the sound into a metronome and hearing all different kinds of musical pieces that he loved sped up or slowed way down according to the speed of this 
thing to where he did begin to fall in love with that sound. So, and I just thought that was really, really interesting because that, I mean, obviously he wasn't meditating, but I think we can trap ourselves into believing that we have to have things set up a certain way um, in order to be able to do that. And, you know, just the fact that we don't have the fluorescent lights is, is awesome. So, yeah. And plus, knowing me, I may not be able to find the switch to turn it back on when I need to read, and it may hit the floor before I find it. I am going to shut this, though, because we do get some folks coming down the hall. But if we hear them talking, and we've had people stand right outside these doors, as some of you know, and just chatter, 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 and, you know, allow it in. Allow it in, because if we resist it, then the ego's in charge, and we lose out on what we need, on what, what our focus is. Okay, so I'll start us with the ball, and then I will let you know when our 15 minutes is up. Okay, so for those of you that were here two weeks ago, um, we looked at, I don't mind what happens. And it's a huge topic, to say the least. And this drew my attention last week when I was going through it again. It's from a book called The Laws of Spirit by Dan Millman. He wrote Way of the Peaceful Warrior, that series. Um, and this one is the law of surrender, embracing a higher will. Surrender means accepting this moment, this body, and this life with open arms. Surrender involves getting out of our own way and living in accord with a higher will, expressed as the wisdom of the heart. Far more than passive acceptance, Surrender uses every challenge as a means of spiritual growth and expanded awareness. And I just really liked some of the different parts in here. Some think that, that it's holding on that makes one strong. It's actually... Water reveals the most intelligent and powerful response that you can make in any circumstance. And that is the response of surrender. And he replies, I don't understand. I was taught to fight for what I believe in, to never give up. And she replied, although the law of surrender means accepting whatever happens in your life, it does not mean passive tolerance toleration for what you don't like, or ignoring injustice, or allowing yourself to be victimized or controlled. True surrender is active, positive, assertive, a creative commitment to make use of your situation in a spirit of appreciation. Well, I can't pretend to appreciate the flu, or flat tires, or other problems, he replied. The law is not about pretending anything or denying your true feelings. 
It's about transforming them. You learn to surrender by shifting your perspective. And that's really what that's really what it all is, is shifting your perspective. For any of you that have worked with me doing the Byron Katie work, once we get through the four questions and do the turnarounds, if you've done them from a meditative place and not from the intellectual place of your head, your left brain, what happens is your perception of what you were looked at in the beginning now is completely changed. It's totally shifted. And you've heard me talking here about, you know, non-resistance, non-judgment, non-attachment, and that those do not mean that we do nothing, that we sit in a lotus position and om for the rest of our life. You know, that's not what it's about. You know, if you see, you know, if you see a child getting hurt, it doesn't mean you do nothing and go, oh, that must be what's supposed to be happening. In that moment, that is what's supposed to be happening. And if you can accept that, then you are going to enter that situation and intervene from a non-violent, non-emotional place. You'll be able to come from that compassionate place in your heart. You'll be clear. And no matter what this other person says, they won't be able to engage the ego in you. And now you've just got two adults battling and this child witnessing that, you know? So it truly does mean if I can get into that heart-centered place and come from this place of compassion, I take action. You know, it's not like, you know, like what he said in there, it's like we don't ignore injustices. We take action on them. But I don't know if you've noticed, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. And of course, I don't watch the news, so I can't tell you any details. But I know that the political thing is heating up. And I know through friends, I've got several friends kind of on the front lines of, of the Occupy Wall Street back in New York and in Los Angeles that kind of stay in touch with me and let me know what's going on. And it's still global and it's still huge regardless of what people are not seeing on the news. And apparently what they're telling me is that the news is still ignoring it all. But a lot of those people are missing the point because they're, they're going against something. They're wanting to fight against something. And one of the things that I've talked in several groups over in the Occupy Portland movement was that instead of seeing the 99% versus the 1%, and I'm just using this as an example, that we're already, then we're looking at divisiveness and we're looking at exclusivity. We're excluding 1% and that 1% is part of us. If we're all one and everything I experience in my life is a projection of what's going on with me, including what I feed into in terms of the morphic field, the morphic field being most people in this country believe there's a, not a repression, what do you call it? Recession. Going on. <laughs> One of those things where financially things are tough. And for a while, 
I got to experience myself buying into that and as a result of that it squeezed off the flow of energy into my life which meant the flow of dollars into my life became less and less and less and less which I finally realized what I needed to was just work with that as the challenge being presented to me was for me spiritually to evolve through that process so what was awesome was that I, I did get to experience not having my house payment until the 11th hour in August <laughs> and and literally went through the whole experience fearlessly as a result of you know finally kind of waking up and realizing okay you've bought into the morphic field now you are dealing with having created this so step into that but when we buy into that morphic field we add to it we feed it with energy and when we buy into the other larger morphic field of anti-anything that's resistance and what we resist persists so when I am against something it's going to come back with equal energy it's not going to go away just because I'm fighting it and you've heard for a lot of you that have read a lot and studied a lot and and listened to other teachers and, and especially the well-known international teachers out there you know they talk about I mean and I've been reading about this stuff for the last 30 years anti anti-war we still have war in many places on this planet it hasn't changed anything anti-cancer the war against cancer we have more cancer being diagnosed every day in this country than we ever have before and more people dying from it so it's not just that we're better at diagnosing it um, we have the war on drugs and there's a lot there's a bigger drug problem out there than there's ever been and we keep throwing money at it and and people and resources and nothing's changed nothing's changed and since time immemorial they've been anti-prostitution and fought that has that ever changed it it's still there in its fullest glory so those are just examples that I would like you to look at because they're they're obvious it's like a black and white it's real easy to see and then to, to kind of look in your own life and see what have I been anti against and it was like what I was trying to teach the the Occupy Portland people is that when you want to go after something violently even if it's just believing I'm right they're wrong then you've created the atmosphere of violence you're creating violent energy and what happens is you create more of what you're trying you, what you want to have go away and it's not that you lay down and do nothing and it's not that you em embrace it in the way like well if you can't beat them join them <laughs> it's not that but it's a learning how to find ways that are positive that work with something it's like for example mother Teresa knew that eons ago she said I will never go to an anti-war rally do a peace march a peace rally and I'll show up and do everything I can because it's for peace 
So when looking at I don't mind what happens, that's the flavor that it began to take on for me, was that whenever I'm in resistance to anything, not only am I bringing it more into my life, but in bringing it more into my life, I fight it more, and then I'm trying to figure out ways around it, and all of that's my ego. My ego sees it as competition. It's going to sort it out. It's going to figure it out. It's going to be smarter, quicker, faster. <laughs> and every time that I've gone there with any of that stuff, it, I'm here to tell you it never really has worked. And even when it appeared to work, what I had to get really honest about in myself was that I had no sense of peace in here. Because if it appeared that I got what I wanted and created a situation like say, I, like say when we manipulate people, and we've all done it, and I've manipulated somebody into the position I wanted them in, like getting my husband to do something I wanted him to do when he was resisting. And when I walk away from that because he's finally given in and is doing what I wanted, was I really feeling emotionally intimate and connected with him? Did I feel a sense of peace? Did I feel a sense of joy? No. In fact, what I could what I remember is my ego jumping up and going, well, now we're going to have to remember how we got him to do that. <laughs> so we use it next time <laughs> and get there faster. You know, I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. No wonder I was not a happy camper. I mean, the ego was in total charge and control all the time, judging others, criticizing others, and, of course, mercilessly judging and criticizing me. I never could do anything right, and it was never good enough. So one of the things that I did get in meditation yesterday, and again I got it today around this, for circle tonight specifically, was that I wanted to kind of open it up with stuff like that. And then I wanted you to become more participatory in terms of any questions that you might have, whether it's about the ego, whether it's about resistance or judgment or attachment or you know any of the things that we've been talking about or even stuff that you've read that sort of makes sense but doesn't completely make sense. And not that I'll be able to answer them, but I might might be able to or somebody else might be able to. So I'd like to open that up. Where do you find your biggest struggles? Your biggest resistance? Your biggest, I can't accept this.
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So would, would the issue be, if I'm happy with it, then that would mean that I don't want it to change and I'm not doing anything to change it. Because I know a lot of people go there. They say, if I get happy with something, then I'll be complacent. I won't change it. So we believe this thought that in order for me to change anything, I have to be unhappy with it, or I have to be at least irritated or not like it. If I don't like it, then I'll do something about it. one of the things that I might suggest would be when you notice that you're not particularly happy in the moment with what you're experiencing is to embrace that. Can I accept that right now in this moment I have unhappiness? I have negative feelings bouncing around inside me. and many other teachers. One of my first teachers I learned that from, Ram Das. Yeah. Yeah, can I just accept that that's what I'm feeling right now? And that that's not who I am. And to me, that was the difference. And therein lies also how we talk. So to really raise your awareness around your, our language, you know, because we, we talk very easily and fluently with, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm scared, I'm depressed. You're saying, I am angry. No, you're not. You feel angry, but that is not who you are. And I am, I'm, is hugely powerful. It's creating. It's, it's the creation words. So... That would be one of the first things that I would suggest to work on would be to start taking a look at how, how am I, what's going on up here language-wise? Oh, I'm, I'm not where I should be again, you know, so then we're shooting on ourselves. <laughs> and, which is non-acceptance, and can I accept that in this moment I don't feel happy that I'm feeling discontented. 
and sit with that and just see what happens in that acceptance. Because that in itself, when I started practicing that, started shifting my perception. Because I'd look at it and, and, and it would sometimes grow bigger and bigger and bigger and other times in that biggerness it would get, that's not really a word, is it? <laughs> biggerness. <laughs> okay, it is now. <laughs> it would just kind of go poof. I mean, it would get so big, but then it would just reach this point where it would just disappear. And I'd be sitting there going, okay, now I don't think I'm feeling anything. And I remember when I first started studying these principles and meditating and exploring just different paths and ways of getting out of where I was at, which is the insanity between my ears, I remember, I think, Part of the struggle with it was when I felt nothing, it was, almost, it was frightening because, well, I should feel something. And actually what I've learned is that the nothing is really that peaceful place. It's not all happy la-la, <laughs> although we can experience that and there's nothing, you know, don't judge that, but that it's it really is about just this neutral, soft, nothing place. And that's, that's okay. And we expect to be happy and, oh, wait a minute, I don't even think I feel grateful. <laughs> you know, so then I go, okay, ego, come on in, have some tea. I hear what you're trying to do, sneaky little booger. <laughs> but that's, that's where a lot of that judgment stuff comes in. And Tolle talks about that. You know, how the ego will come in, whether it's coming in as, woe is me, I'm such a horrible, rotten person, or I'm all that in a bag of chips, or everything in between. It, will, it doesn't care. It'll grab any identity to pull us out of this moment keep us out of this moment. So here comes the shoulds, here comes the, this is what I'm supposed to feel and that's what I'm supposed to feel and oh, oh, I'm not feeling happy, I'm not feeling grateful, something's wrong, that's the ego. Because the, the true self just notices it. It's just an observance. Um, I was asked earlier about making, you know, an observance having an observance about something um, and being cautious about doing that because it felt like a judgment. And I said, it's only a judgment when you are attaching the feeling and the energy and the belief that it's good, bad, right, or wrong. For, and the example I gave was when I was 50 pounds heavier, I looked in the mirror and I said, Karen, you're fat. <laughs> And that was a fact. It wasn't a judgment. I wasn't saying that's bad. I wasn't saying that was wrong. It was a fact. And until I could look at that fact and embrace that, 
I was literally frozen in order to do anything about it. But also beating up on myself, and that's why I asked that original question. And I wonder, some of your heads were nodding when I was asking her this. Are we believing that if I like something, if I embrace it, if I'm feeling at peace with it, if I'm happy with it, then I'm afraid I won't do anything about it. Like if I'm, if I'm truly grateful and happy and peaceful about being single, I'm not going to be open to meeting anyone and wanting a partner and having the energy that would attract that into my life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be even more so there because the needy and the wanting actually pushes it away. Yeah. Yeah. What are some other examples of if I don't stay upset with this or if I don't judge this as bad or wrong or If I'm not uncomfortable with it, then I won't change it. What are some other examples of that?
But that's the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I've got at the end of my email, um, may you have no idea what to do today and have nothing to hold on to. Because, oh, <laughs> what? I hate that <laughs> Because that's the only time that we are then willing to totally surrender and do a trust fall into the arms of the universe. And let go. And just go, okay. And if we are all just life expressing itself as itself and just unfolding in every moment, then the directing, controlling, manipulating, hanging on. Really, when you see it from, at least for me, my perspective of that is no wonder it's painful. No wonder they're suffering. You know? And, I, and, and at least now I can catch it quick because I'll start to go there with something. And, and immediately I can feel the shift in my body, everything. And it just, it's like, oh yeah, I don't like being here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this isn't comfortable. My big, go ahead. So I find just like with anything else you try to achieve or a goal or whatever it is you're in with yourself at the time, that are on the same page. Right. Yeah, it really can be, because then what you've got are unconscious people. And unconscious people, well, who's operating the boat in unconsciousness? The ego. So that ego jumps up and says something to me like, why do you have that stupid scarf on your head, Karen? <laughs> and if I'm... If, if I've been practicing the presence muscle enough, because that's kind of what you're talking about, doing it over and over and over and over enough to where we have firmed up that muscle, right? I'm going to be able to, to just simply maybe say, oh, I understand you think this scarf is stupid on my head. Um, okay. I like it, but okay. And that it doesn't have any more, and, and it's not just words I'm using, but I truly inside don't feel any conflict with this person. None. It's like, that's what they think. Okay. But if I'm tired, especially too tired, if I'm hungry, and for me, those are the two. 
what'll happen is that the ego is a little closer to the surface and somebody could say that to me and I might just bite their face off before I catch myself <laughs> and realize that their egos triggered my ego and so you know that's what you're talking about when we're out there in the world dealing with people that we're not on the same page with right yeah and they're not practicing consciousness and they don't even understand this language and they think we're nuts you know and look at us like we got three heads and yeah that can it it can it, it goes through a period of you do feel pretty lonely until you begin to find folks that you can hook up with and at least throughout the day if you don't see them you know maybe more than once a week or once every few weeks or whatever but you can call in and check in with them you can text you can hook up occasionally maybe and, and just chat over a cup of tea and sort of get that booster shot that reminder of, oh yeah oh yeah okay <laughs> sort of like a life preserver yep or a sponsor in 12-step programs but sometimes that can be hard too because sponsors don't necessarily um, equal consciousness exactly yeah <laughs> yeah and I work with a lot of folks who have sponsors who mean well and they're coming from a good place, but they're pretty unconscious. And they're pretty black and white, and they're pretty into good, bad, right, and wrong. And pretty dictatorial. Mm -hmm. But for example, I want to go back to this, because I think this is big, and, and I, I, I really saw the energy in this room kind of flare up when I first brought it up. And that is, when I let go of the idea that I have to hate something, be uncomfortable with something, not like something, that I have to stay there because, oh my gosh, if I decide to embrace this and like it, it won't change. So for example, when I was 50 pounds overweight and I was able to look in the mirror one day and finally go, Karen, you're fat. <laughs> and then what I did was I worked on embracing that. And that's what I came up against, was that fear of if I embrace this, I'll not only stay this size, I'll get bigger. I'll end up big as a barn. At least that's what my ego threw up. And it said, oh yeah, baby, try embracing that. You won't be able to get your arms around it. <laughs> I mean, here came the criticism and the judgment, and, but it was all fear. It was all fear. And it truly wasn't until I was able to embrace it and just love me the way I was at that point that I got really open and actually had the energy and the inspiration to take the steps that put me in a healthy situation of losing that 50 pounds. So that it was done in a healthy fashion, not in a oh my God, I can't live with myself, I'm going to die because people won't be able to stand me. Because what I also realized is that the people that loved me could really care less. It didn't matter to them. It really didn't. The one who mattered to and who was judging was me. 
And of course, I projected that all out here. But my biggest fear was, if I decide that I'm acceptable, if I accept this and I embrace this, oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be all right. If that's, if that's my true self and that's where it needed to go, then absolutely. But what I'm saying with it is that more times out of not, what happens is in our embracing of the things that we're trying to change and saying, you know what, in this moment I accept that this is the way this is, we go from constriction to expansion. We go from exclusiveness to inclusiveness. All of a sudden, I'm seeing and hearing other ideas and other thoughts from, from folks that I'm actually willing to listen to. And I can hear it. My imagination is more open. Um, all, of, all of who I am actually becomes a vessel then for loving me the way I am and apparently the way I am was supposed to be 50 pounds less because it wasn't, I didn't starve, I didn't, you know, there weren't no-no foods I couldn't ever have. It wasn't any of that crap, that old garbage that I used to do all the time. I mean, it just, none of it existed. every time. And ego always operates out of fear. And they shall be yours. Well, and then the ego will come up with plenty of evidence why that's true. It's really good with that. Yeah. So if you allow that to come in and you don't question that and move yourself back into present moment, what happens is the ego just gives you evidence after evidence and it, it just sinks in deeper and deeper and deeper. And if there's a morphic field for that, an amorphic field is nothing more than one belief held on to and believed by thousands of people. So it makes it really, really solid. And those are harder to, to work with. They're harder to embrace. They're harder, they're a, they're a little bit more daunting at times. Because even though I have not watched, listened to, or read the news or media, from over five years now, I still had plenty of people in my life letting me know how bad it was out there. And oh my God, how are you dealing with it, Karen? <laughs> and you know, at first when I started hearing it, I went, really? Um, okay, that might be true for others, but I'm fine. <laughs> and I would go on my merry way. Well, after a while, like after about two or three years, 
And then I, my, my sweet sister, well, and it wasn't so much her, it was my brother-in-law, and he meant it from the bottom of his heart. He was just concerned and wanting to be loving. I know. I know him well enough to know it was coming but from nothing but a caring place. But it was coming from his ego, which is in fear and buying into the whole thing, right? And so he wanted to say, he suggested that instead of mom being in an assisted living home, she could come live with me and they'd pay the money to me. And that way I could have an assured income. And <laughs> I was... <laughs> and I said, you know, thank you. I, I am... I feel so blessed that, that I've got family that cares about me and, is, and that you thought about it, that you even had concern about my well-being to go, oh my gosh, how's Karen doing? What are some ideas we could... Um, but yeah, no, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> Thank you anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah. <sighs> Bless her heart. Yeah. So... Um, so what are some things in your life that you're, you know, I'm, I'm using the example of being 50 pounds overweight and being fat and looking at that as, and again, we're looking at two things here actually, I guess. One, that you address something for what it is and just call it what it is, but without judgment. And the judgment is that it's good, bad, right, or wrong instead of, it just is, that's what is. Okay, so there's that piece, and then there's the piece that most of us are raised, especially in this domination culture, Marshall, Marshall Rose, Rosenberg calls this our a domination culture, and it really is. We dominate others, we dominate ourselves with our language and our thinking. We use shame, we use guilt, um, all these right wrongs I mean you know the politicians apparently are, are, are using it as what did my sister tell me she said family values I'm so sick of hearing the term family values like it's spit she said don't doesn't every family have its own damn values <laughs> I said that's what I thought but okay It's not okay to show the women the way they were, you know, unless they're fully covered. That is so, I mean, that's the reality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that all afternoon, just like how I feel about it. And I felt bad. I felt bad that their perception was... Why did you feel bad? So, why did you feel bad for the women in Saudi Arabia? And you recognize that was a judgment. Right. Right. And, and, and no matter how I looked at it, there's nothing. 
Well, here's 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 the here's the an interesting look at that. An American woman, Western woman, so that could be European too, looks at a Middle Eastern woman and says, oh my gosh, the only thing that isn't covered is her eyes. How awful. An Eastern woman looks at an American or looks at a Western woman and goes, you know, and so image like at the beach, bikini, sunglasses, and sees that the only thing really covered is her eyes <laughs> and goes, oh my God, I feel so sorry for her because she's imprisoned because that's their perception. Their perception is that we become, that women become so much meat on display. And there's some truth to that, just as there is some truth about how we view theirs. But the thing is, is that if we stay out of judgment, one woman wearing a burqa may decide you know, for her, she doesn't want, she doesn't want it any other way. And another woman may, and I don't know how this would happen, I know it has, but I saw something on, um, on HBO about it, a documentary, but there was a woman that was from the Eastern country that wanted out and wanted not to live in a burqa and did not want to live under male domination. And so, as somebody that's coming from a non-judgmental place, that that's bad and they shouldn't make her do that, would simply be responding to her request. I want to live differently. See what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So that you help that person because that person requested it and said they wanted something different. And coming from that open heart place, which is only can be if I'm not being in, in judgment or resistance to, to what that belief system is. I'm not coming from this place of anger and you guys are wrong and bad for doing this to women because there's a lot of women that will fight for their right to stay there and live that way. And what I know to be true is that's the contract they made. You accept in the moment that's what is, instead of spending a lot of energy around, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. So you go, okay, that's what they've done. And, you op and out of that place, you become more open to knowing, what is it that can I do? What's the route I can take to help legally move this back to where it needs to be? Well, in each moment, you'd find that out. If that's, if that's the course of action I'm going in, it's like, you know, it doesn't, like, for example, like what he said in there, you don't, 
You don't ignore injustices. So I believe that abortion should be legal so that it doesn't go underground and a lot of young women die needlessly, period. And, and, and so based on that, if, that, if it became law that it was illegal, I'm not going to spend any energy in being angry or upset with what is. I'm going to accept in this moment, that's the law. That's what we're working with. And then surrender to source in terms of let me be a vessel, help me to see through inspiration, through my imagination, through an idea, through anything that I, if, if I'm to play any role in changing this to save the lives of young women in that way, show me what to do. Put it in front of me and give me the courage and strength to do it. And then just be open to that. And then that is the, the taking action. It's assertive. It's active. You know, acceptance is not, okay, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. Because that's quitting. That's giving up. That's being cowed. That's not the power that comes with surrender. The one thing I learned over 30 years ago, and I am so grateful for this, when I first went to Alcoholics Anonymous, was that I was able to grasp really quickly the concept of powerlessness. That in my powerlessness over when I take a drink, it changes who I am, it alters my brain chemistry, and I no longer have the choice what I do in terms of choosing the next drink or not. And when I could accept my powerlessness over that, it actually gave me power. It gave me my power back. Just like I believe in when I allow myself to be absolutely and ultimately the most vulnerable that I can be, that's when I actually become the most invulnerable because nothing can really touch me then. I mean, in terms of hurt or the, all those reasons why we put up all the walls and prevent our vulnerability. You know, we just, here I am. The shadow side of that, if you want to see it in reverse, or not in reverse, but sort of the dark side of it, is that in politics, for example, if they get, like say they get a, a video of some congressman visiting the boys room at a bus at a truck stop <laughs> and and they get the video they get the whole nine yards there's no way this guy's gonna back out of it right and he knows that say the Enquirer is gonna be running it starting noon the next day his best move actually is to come out and say there's this video of me and this is what I did, is to make himself absolutely vulnerable. And yes, he still may end up having to walk out of office. But he's going to be able, he's going to be more able to remain in his power and actually be invulnerable, at least to what they're going to do. You see? 
So that's kind of a shadow way of looking at it. But, but really, that's what surrender is. To me, it is an incredibly powerful place to go because it empowers us hugely. So what are some things that if you're afraid, if you wrapped your arm around and said, you know what, I accept this about me or about my life right now, that the fear or the ego jumps up and goes, oh, great. <laughs> We're going to be stuck here forever then. That means you won't do anything. Usually most of us have those if we have active egos, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what the ego's telling you. They're all going on at the same time. They're all connected. And you have to keep all the plates up in the air. Because if you don't pay attention and stay on top of it, the plates are going to start falling and dropping and breaking. Right? So it keeps you in constant fear. Yeah. And I have a really dear friend in Staten Island, New York. And... He always signs his letters, love self first. And I love that because that's one of the ways that I began to step back into present moment out of ego with situations just like that. In other words, what would happen is, my experience would be, right now in this moment, I can deal with this. That's all I'm dealing with. Yes, there's this other stuff going on, but I'm not dealing with that right now. Right now, I'm moving boxes out into the garage for the garage sale, and that's all I'm doing is moving stuff out there, setting it up. That's it. That's all I'm doing. It sort of goes back to that when I've talked about I'm a woman sitting on the table. I'm a man sitting in a chair. Get back into this moment. 
we think we're doing 50 things at once. We never are. Ever. Ever. Yeah, it's impossible. The ego loves to convince us of that because we get overwhelmed. It feeds more fear. And Eckhart talks about the pain body. And that kind of stuff feeds the pain body, keeps it well nourished, and keeps it going. And the ego loves that, just thrives on that. So it's really about, no, right now, all I'm doing is this. Like, I've got three major projects going on at my house right now. That's besides work and besides trying to meet a deadline on my book. So every moment I am, and every now and then I'll catch myself because I can tell the first thing that happens to me is my breathing gets shallow. And that's anxiety. Anxiety is fear. Fear is the territory of the ego. Period. As soon as I know that that's, as soon as I know I've got anxiety, I know I'm not in present moment. I don't feel anxiety in present moment. So, the first thing I'll do is zero in on what I am doing in that moment. Oh, I'm a woman washing dishes. And I'll focus on the temperature of the water, the feel of the soap, the feel of the sponge in my hand, what I'm doing, and I'll get focused in on that. And I can feel my ego start to pull away and well, you better figure out what you're going to do next. No, I'm good right here, but thank you. <laughs> So you focus on just what's in front of you in that moment. And you just do that thing. And then it leads you to the next thing. And then it's just, because it's just, all it is is a string of moments. But all we ever have is this one that we're in. So when my mind, or more accurately, when the ego jumps out there, and is going, me, 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 me. That's exactly what it is. It's totally the ego. It's taken over. I'm totally unconscious. The anxiety's coming up. My breathing is shallow. My body's responding as if we're, we're in danger. Because our bodies do not know the difference between real or imagined at all. Our bodies absolutely respond to everything that goes on up here. So when I'm believing I'm overwhelmed, my body responds as if I have, you know, a hundred tons of logs on my back that I've got to hike up a mountain with or I'm going to die. <coughs> yeah. That's the ego to the nth degree. <laughs> the ego's run amok. So, and you don't say anything to that person because at that point, when a person is responding that extremely, there's really nothing you can say because they aren't going to hear you. They're they're totally unconscious. They're going to argue with anything you have to say. So, 
what I try to do, especially in, with panic attacks, anxiety attacks, whatever you want to call them, is that I just try to get as intensely present as I can and just sit with that person and just be in as much intense presence as I can be. And generally, that's what brings them back. I don't have to do or say anything. Just be. But see, this culture teaches us that we have to do something. I have to respond. Just be. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to center. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. It might be just enough to they start breathing normal again, which brings their body back to being maybe not fully present, but they're more into their body. Because a person having a panic attack is not in their body at all. They're totally in it, completely in their head. Yeah. Okay, I just noticed the time. So, um, I know, huh? Because <laughs> this kind of stuff, we could, I would just love it. We could... You know, we need to have a fire and some marshmallows and sit around and talk all night. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next circle's in two weeks, October 16th. Um, I'm available for one-on-ones um, for all kinds of different things. I do healing work. Um, I work with meditation practice. I work with presence. I work with all that stuff. So I work with a lot of codependency issues too, big time codependency issues, because our relationships with human beings in, in, on this planet, you know, codependency is not a select little issue for a, a small group of people. It's only a small group of people that seem to be aware of it. <laughs> I've not met anybody who doesn't have a degree of codependency. Um, and it's learning how to work with that that also really helps to support presence. So, just as a thought. I have a body... Now, I wanted to throw this out to the group tonight, and it's amazing that we have this tiny little group, but I have a body image class that I posted that I'm going to start on Thursday. And it was to, to shatter the hall of mirrors, to really look at, at the whole body image issue. And that it wasn't just about weight. It's about aging. It's about sexuality. It's about illness. It's about injury. It's about people that have been injured and now they're dealing with the aftermath and like they're always going to have a limp or they're, you know, they've lost an arm or a leg or fingers or a hand or something's altered about their physical being that will never be the same again as a result of that. And that body image entails all of that. Well, what's interesting is that I've only had two people pay the deposits for that. And I've heard from several people who are saying, we don't want to sign up for a class, you know, that's like every Thursday night for six weeks. We'd sign up for a class that was an all-day Saturday class. And I went, oh. So, I don't know, ideas? because I'm open to feedback, even if you're not interested in going to that class. If you are interested in a class, 
is that is a one all day long thing more appealing than Oh, well, the Healing Touch certification. Certification has to be five nights in, or three nights in a whole weekend. I mean, it just, but if you want to get certified, no, then, that. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. Right. But something like this I could do. And I could even do, say, one Saturday a month. You know, if that group said, well, we want to continue this and go further in this direction with it, I'd be open to that, and I've had groups do that before with stuff, but for some reason, I, with this class, I didn't even consider a Saturday class. A one-whole-day thing? Okay. That commitment. That level of commitment. Of commitment, right. For a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, that's good feedback for me. Okay. The Saturday ones, right. Yeah, and I've never put this one, concised it down to an all-day. But it wouldn't be that difficult. Okay. The holotropic breathwork? No, not that one. Ah. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the only other thing is that I want to thank Lisa and Jack for being willing to get here early and help set up and help me do this thing. Um, I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you both. Um, and then I want to close with the original Lord's Prayer. <coughs> okay. O cosmic birther of all radiance and vibration, Soften the ground of our being and carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity so that we may be empowered to bear the fruit of your mission. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with our desire. Endow us with the wisdom to produce and share what each being needs to grow and flourish. Untie the tangled threads of destiny that bind us as we release others from the entanglements of past mistakes. Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but illuminate the opportunities of the present moment. For you are the ground and the fruitful vision, the birth power and fulfillment, as all is gathered and made whole again. Oh. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love you guys. I've 